نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله Really the praise belongs to Allah we praise him seek his assistance and forgiveness and we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds whoever Allah guides there is no one that can lead him astray and whoever Allah leads astray there is no one that can guide him I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshiped except Allah alone and that he has no partners or associates and I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is his slave servant and his messenger We'd like to begin tonight in this lecture number 14 of our series of lectures from Taseer Al-Alam the sharh or explanation of Umdat Al-Ahkam by Shaykh Abdullah ibn Abdurrahman Ali Bassam Hafizahullah with the uh, hadith concerning Kitab Al-Jana'id or the funeral prayers and the matters related to it and basically we have discussed briefly some of the hadith related to Salat Al-Janazah and some matters related to it in the previous lecture we took the hadith of Abu Hurairah radiyallahu anhu in which he said na'a an-nabiy sallallahu alayhi wa sallam an-najashi fil yawm alladhi mata fihi wa kharaja ila al-musalla fasaffa bihim wa kabbara arba'an Abu Hurairah radiyallahu anhu reports that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam informed them of the news of the death of an-najashi the ruler of Habasha or Ethiopia and he informed his companions the same day in which he had passed and then he went out to the musalla the prayer grounds yani to the outskirts of the city where they used to have the eid prayers and he lined the people up into rows and he made four takbirs saying allahu akbar four times and this is the basic format of salat al-janazah that a number of takbirs and it is the opinion of the majority and it was the common practice and the last practice of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam that the number of takbirs are four the other hadith is the hadith of jabir radiyallahu anhu and the nabiy sallallahu alaihi wasallam salla ala najashi fakuntu fi as-saf al-thani aw al-thalith jabir radiyallahu anhu said that the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam performed the funeral prayer for an-najashi uh, and he said that i was that is jabir said i was in the third or in the second or the third row yani that the muslims were lined up into three rows and he said he was either in the second or in the third uh, we said concerning this that there was difference of opinion concerning the scholars whether or not it is legislated in Islam to perform salat of janazah or the funeral prayer over or for a person whose body is absent is not present and the first opinion was the opinion of Abu Hanifa and Malik rahimahumullah they held that it is not legislated they said that this hadith was specifically related to the prayer of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam for the body that's absent and it's not legislated for other people other than him the second opinion is the opinion of al-shafi'i rahimahullah and it's also the most well known opinion of al-imam ahmed they held that it is legislated <coughs> due to the numerous authentic hadith reported from the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam praying over praying for najashi and his body was absent he was in another country he died in another country and they said whoever says that it's specifically related to the prophet they should bring a proof of such otherwise whatever he did is legislated for the muslim ummah in general a third opinion was the opinion of shaykh al-hamid al-taymiyyah he said that if the body of the absent person the person was not absent if no one prayed over that person because they were in a land where there were no muslims or no one knew about their death then in that case it's legislated to pray over him yani because the prayer for the dead person is fortified as long as some of the muslims do it others are free otherwise all are to blame so in the case where the person died in an absent in another place uh, and no one prayed over them in that case it's legislated 
to pray over them. And this is general general view of what we covered concerning those hadith. Also, uh, well, we, the points related to this hadith or the points derived from it, the ahkam, he said that it's legislated to make salat for a dead person when a Muslim dies and that it is a means of intercession and it is supplication for them from their brothers. And that it's also legislated to make salat over an absent person based يعني, in consideration of the difference of opinion those who said it's legislated, those who said it's not and the third opinion that it's legislated for those who no one prayed over the third thing he said uh, that the salat for the dead person, salat al-janaza should be in the musalla'id or in the prayer grounds where the Muslims gathered together for the prayers on the Eid, Eid al-Adha and Eid al-Fitr especially if there is a large number of people gathering for the prayer and then he said that the takbir for Salat al-Janazah that there are four that there are four takbirs uh, and after each takbir there is some supplication also he said that there is a virtue in there being a large number of Muslims and that the rows should be three and if they were at least three and this is also praiseworthy uh, and finally he said that it's permissible to inform or to announce the death of someone if there is some benefit in doing so, especially to attract a larger number of Muslims to pray over that person or to inform their relatives so that they may come and pray over them. Otherwise, any making announcements, public announcements about the death of someone is not generally legislated in Islam. The next hadith, hadith number 154, hadith of Abdul ibn Abbas, sallallahu that the Prophet ﷺ performed the funeral prayer over the grave, yani over the grave of the person who had already been buried. And he made four takbirs. And he made takbir, Allahu Akbar, four times, which is the yani generally approved format for the Salat al Janazah according to the majority of the scholars. From this hadith, the Shaykh said that it's legislated to pray over the grave of someone who has already been buried. Uh, even though some scholars said that it's not legislated. But the Prophet ﷺ did so, therefore it's permissible. Uh, and then some of the scholars differed as to the length of time, can you pray over them? Some said only up until one month, and some said as long as the body has not deteriorated, and some said there's no limit that it can be done up until any time. Uh, also, that the Salat of Janazah for the, over the grave of someone who's already buried is performed in the same way that Salat al-Janazah is performed over the dead person whose body has not yet been buried. Um, and this is basically what we mentioned from that hadith. Also, the, other, the next hadith we took, hadith number 158, is the hadith of Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu, and the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa asri'u bil-janazati, that we should hurry and hasten with the janazah to bury the person. فَإِن صَالِحَةً فَخَيْرٌ تُقَدِّمُونَهَا إِلَيْهِ For if the person was righteous, then it would be good, khair, that you are hastening them to, and to their good reward. And if they were other than that, any other than righteous, then it is something evil that you are carrying, and it is better that you relieve your shoulders or your necks, take them off your, from carrying them, and place them in the earth as quickly as possible. Here from this hadith, the Shaykh said, that from the ahkam or the rulings that are derived from it is that it is mustahab to hurry in preparing the dead person preparing their body for burial carrying them quickly to the cemetery except يعني, being careful not to cause any harm to the body or to those who are following the body to the cemetery by hastening too quickly uh, <clears throat> also that this hastening to prepare the body and to bury them should be in consideration of the fact that it should be certain that the person is not just in a state of unconsciousness they should be sure that they have actually passed away and it should be ascertained before preparing their body and burying them number three uh, <coughs> here in this hadith also there's an indication that we should keep the company of the righteous and the Prophet ﷺ mentioned the difference between the one who was righteous, saliha, and the one who was evil, sharr, and we should avoid the company of the evil. And finally he said from this hadith, and it was mentioned by Shaykh Islam ibn Taymiyyah, uh, that whoever openly showed Islam, 
then we should apply to them the Islamic rulings, the open or apparent Islamic rulings, such as marriage and inheritance, washing their body and praying over them. The people that openly showed Islam, we are not to judge what's inside their heart, but as long as they displayed Islam openly, we should deal with them accordingly. Uh, hadith number 159, the hadith, on, I think it's on the second side of the page, of the first page on the back side. Hadith number 159, hadith of Amatiya, that we were prohibited from following, meaning the women were prohibited from following the burials, but it wasn't an absolute prohibition. From this hadith, the Shaykh says, the ahkam derived from it are four. One, or the points derived from our four, one, that the women are prohibited from following the funeral processions. Uh, and this is a general prohibition, meaning not following the body to the place of the prayer or, the, or to the place of burial and so on. Uh, this is a general ruling that the women shouldn't follow the funeral procession. Number two, he said, uh, the reason for this is because the nature of the women is different than the man and that normally they can't bear sad sights or emotional situations or occasions and there might appear from them uh, behavior that is unbecoming of a Muslim on the occasion of calamity or affliction. The Muslim is expected to be patient and sometimes the women, uh, due to the, the nature that the woman is created in, cannot hold themselves. Uh, so therefore it's preferable that they avoid such situations. Number three, the original ruling concerning a prohibition, and here in this hadith she said that we were prohibited from following the funeral procession. The original ruling concerning a prohibition is that the thing which we have been prohibited from is haram. But in this case, since Um Atiyah understood through the, from the circumstances of that prohibition, she understood that it wasn't an absolute prohibition, then we also take that we accept her understanding and we understand that it wasn't an absolute prohibition but general discouragement for the women uh, or of the women following the funeral procession. And finally he says that Imam Ibn Diqif al-Eid said that there are other hadith besides the hadith of Umatiyah which suggests that the, that the prohibition is more stern than what seems to be in this hadith, that it's a more stern or firm prohibition. Uh, and that perhaps it is yani, stronger than what seems to be suggested in the hadith of Umm Atiyah. And Allah knows best. Walaikum salam. The last hadith that we took last week is hadith number 160. I think it's the last one. Huh? 160. Hadith of Samura ibn Jundab radiallahu anhu قال صليت وراء رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم على امرأة ماتت في نفاسها فقام وسطها سمر رضي الله عنه said that I prayed behind the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم over a woman who died during the delivery of a child post childbirth or she died due to it and the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم when he stood up to pray over her he stood at the middle of her body uh, here, concerning this hadith, the Shaykh also mentions a number of points. He said the first of them uh, is that Salat al-Janazah is legislated in Islam. The Prophet prayed over a dead person, a Muslim woman. The second one is that the position of the Imam for the woman is at her middle, standing at the middle of the body. Number three is that, uh, that the woman who dies in this condition of post-childbirth, uh, she has achieved the status of, of shahada or martyrdom. Yani this is one of the types of death in which the Prophet said that the person who dies in that condition is a martyr. But nonetheless, this type of shahada is not like the shahada or the martyrdom of the Muslim who dies in battle against the disbelievers. For that reason, this person who dies in this condition, though they are considered as a martyr, but they should be washed, their body should be washed and shrouded and they should be prayed over. Unlike the person who dies on the battlefield, their body should not be washed, but they should be buried in the clothing that they were killed in, with their blood on their body and on their clothing, and they are not prayed over. Number four, <coughs> he says that the reason, perhaps the reason or the wisdom of the imam standing in the middle of the body is to cover or to screen the woman. Uh, 
from being seen as much as possible by the people. And then he mentions here that the position of the man is at the head of the body. The position of the imam of the imam for the man is at the head of the body, uh, not at the middle, parallel to the head. And this is based on a hadith which is authentic, reported by a Tirmidhi, in which uh, it is reported Anna Anasan Salla ala Rajulun Sakama in the Ratsihi Ummusalla ala Imraad Sakama Hiyal Ti Asariyah. That Anas ibn Malik radiallahu anhu prayed over a man and he stood opposite his head and then he prayed over a woman and he stood at the middle of her body or the middle of the bed that she was laying upon or the stretcher. The narrator said to him, Fakal al Allah ibn Ziyad, he said to Anas, Hakada Raita Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Kama ala janaza, maqamaka minha, wa min al-rajul, maqamaka minhu. Yani, is this the way that you saw the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam standing over the janaza or the body of a woman as you did and over the body of a man as you did? And Anas ibn Malik radiallahu anhu said, Naam. Yes, this is the way he saw him. So this is the proof that the position for the Imam when he's praying over a woman's body is at the middle of the body and he's praying over a man is at the head. Well, this is the summary of what we discussed <coughs> last week and the remaining hadith from Umdat al-Ahkam the remaining hadith that we wanted to cover is hadith number 165 which is on the handout for this evening uh, the hadith of Abu Huraira and that hadith is reported that he said قَالَ, قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم مَنْ شَهِدَ الْجَنَازَةَ حَتَّى يُصَلَّ عَلَيْهَا فَلَهُ قِرَاتٍ وَمَنْ شَهِدَهَا حَتَّى تُدْفَنَ فَلَهُ قِرَاتَانِ Abu Hurair said that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, said that whoever witnesses and whoever is present and attends the funeral procession for a Muslim when they die and he follows it until the body is prayed over and he will get the reward equal to one qirat and whoever follows it and attends to that body until it is buried and he follows it to the cemetery until the person is buried فَلَهُ قِرَاتَانِ then he will have two, the measure of two qirat قِيلَ وَمَا الْقِرَاتَانِ and it will say, what is the meaning of these, what is this measurement, what is this amount الْقِرَاتَانِ what does it mean and he said, the Prophet ﷺ said مِثْلُ الْجَبَلَيْنِ الْعَظِيمَيْنِ that it is equal to two great tremendous mountains and in the narration of Al-Imam Muslim, he said, أَصْغَرُهُمَا مِثْلُ جَبَلْ أُحُدْ The least of those two qiratan, or the least of those two mountains, two tremendous mountains, the least of them, or the smaller of them, is like Jabal Uhud. It's like the mountain in Medina, where the battle of Uhud took place, which is a very, very great, tremendous mountain. You can hardly see where it ends if you are standing, looking from one end to the other. He said, the smallest of them, is like or equal to Jabal Uhud. So it's clear from this that it is a great, great reward that a Muslim receives for following the body until it's prayed over and a greater reward that a Muslim receives for following the body <coughs> until it is buried. Shaykh Abdullah mentions the general meaning of this hadith is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala out of his mercy and kindness to his slaves uh, and his intention to, or his desire, or his will, to prepare for them, or to make the way for them, for their forgiveness, the means or ways for the forgiveness, especially at the time when they are leaving this world. This is a very important time when the means of forgiveness is needed by the person when they are leaving this world. When they will go into the world where there is no more action, no more deeds, they cannot do anything anymore for themselves. Uh, when all their deeds would be, yani everything is registered and closed. For this reason, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala encouraged the salat of janazah, the salat for the dead person, uh, that it should be witnessed, that people should attend to it. Because this is a means of shafa'ah or intercession, uh, a means of earning the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the dead person. So he made a reward for the person who prayed over it, who attended that prayer. The reward would be equal to one qirat. And whoever attended or followed the procession until it was buried would get another qirat, two of them. And this is an amount of reward, a great amount of reward, uh, which is known to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
And since it wasn't known to the companions of the Prophet ﷺ, what is this qirat and what amount is it exactly? Then the Prophet ﷺ tried to give them some understanding of what it is uh, by giving them an example of something that they could witness and that they could visualize. So he uh, gave them the example of that which they could easily understand, the example that these two qirat is equal to two great mountains, two big tremendous mountains. And in the hadith of Muslim, he made it more specific by saying the least of them was like Jabal Uhud, a mountain that was known to them. That mountain was on the outskirts of Medina. From this hadith, the Shaykh mentions five points. The first of them, the great virtue of the Salat for the dead person, Salat al-Janazah. And also, the virtue of following it until the person is buried, accompanying or escorting the body to the cemetery until they are buried and staying there at the gravesite until the body is buried, till it's completed. The majority of the scholars held the opinion that following the uh, funeral procession to the cemetery that it is legislated to walk in front of the body. This is the majority of the scholars said that it's preferable to walk in front of the body. And in walking, it is from the sunnah to walk to the cemetery and, and the majority of the scholars said that the walking should be in front of the body, not in back of it. Ibn Munzir, rahimahullah, said that it is confirmed that the Prophet and Abu Bakr and Umar radiallahu anhum, they used to walk in front of the janazah. That the Prophet and Abu Bakr and Umar, when they used to go with the body to the cemetery, they used to walk in front of it, not behind it. Anyway, some of the scholars said behind, but this is the opinion of the majority, that walking should be in front of the body. Uh, <coughs> also, that the person who prays over the dead body and the one who follows it to the cemetery walking will get a reward. No one knows just how great it is except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But it is indeed a great reward. If we can look at the example that the Prophet وسلم, gave for it. Also, that in the salat over the dead person, and following the body to the cemetery, it is a means or a way of doing good to the dead person. And it is also a means of earning good for the one who prayed over them and the one who follows the body. And a good is achieved for the dead person as well as the people who prayed over it and followed it to the cemetery. Because Allah rewards those who prayed over it and those who followed it, and Allah forgives the sins of the one who is prayed over by the Muslims. Number four, the, the favors of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the dead person by him encouraging uh, that the Muslims should pray in large numbers over the dead person. This was a favor to the dead person that Allah encouraged the people to pray over them in large numbers by offering them a great reward from himself. And it is an encouragement for the people to come to the Salat al-Janazah. And this is really a favor to the dead person because the more people that pray and ask for his forgiveness Danny, the more likely of him being forgiven his sins. <coughs> also, that the amount of reward that the person receives is equivalent to the amount of work that they do. Yani, the person who prays gets a certain amount of reward. The person who does more than that prays and also follows the body gets a greater reward. Yani the more that the person does, the more reward that they get, insha'Allah. Uh, this is the last point that he said from the ahkam, from this hadith. And then he says, yani as an extra side point concerning visiting the graves, the Yaratul Qubur. Shaykh al-Salam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah says that visiting the graves is divided into two types. Ziyarah Shariah, the legislated or legal visit. Ziyarah Shariah and ziyara bid'iyah, the innovated, or the ziyara that's based on innovation, illegal visit. There are two types of visiting, the one that is shari'iyah, legislated in the sharia, and the one that is bid'iyah, that is innovated. As for ziyara shari'iyah, the legal, legislated visit, what is intended by it is that the person who goes to the cemetery should give salam to the dead person. Assalamu alaikum ahl al-diyar saying salams to them. This is, as you know, offering salam is a means of, it's a dua that Allah grant peace and safety to the person. And even for the dead, it is a dua for them. So what is expected when a person visits the grave first is as-salam ala al-mayyit. 
to give salam to them. And second, الدُّعَاءَ لَهُ يعني to supplicate for him, to ask Allah to forgive him, to have mercy on him, and so on. <coughs> also, he says that it has been confirmed in the authentic hadith that the Prophet ﷺ used to teach or instruct his companions that whenever they visited the cemetery, that they should supplicate. And there are a number of supplications that are recorded in authentic hadith in Al-Bukhari and Muslim and the Qutb al-Sunan. And from amongst them, the Shaykh mentions the dua, As-salamu alaykum, ahl al-diyar min al-muslimin wal-mu'mineen. Peace be upon you, O people of the city or inhabitants of the grave, from amongst the Muslims as well as the believers, the mu'min. Wa bikum And verily we, if Allah wills or Allah willing, we are going to meet you or we will join you. We are also going to die. And we are saying to the dead people, likewise we are also going to be in this place. يَرْحَمُ اللَّهُ الْمُسْتَقْدِمِينَ مِنْكُمْ وَالْمُسْتَأْخِرِينَ May Allah have mercy on those who went ahead and those who will come after. نَسْأَلُ اللَّهُ لَنَا وَلَكُمْ الْعَافِيَةِ We ask Allah for ourselves and for you, meaning the dead people, we ask Allah well-being and afia. And also, يعني, there are the, so many other supplications from amongst them. Uh, perhaps we have listed uh, one of them that's recorded in Sahih Muslim. In the English translation, volume 2, page 462, hadith number 2128, which is similar to the one which the Shaykh mentions here. Assalamu alaikum ahl al-diyar min al-mu'mineen wal-muslimin. Peace be upon you, O inhabitants of the graves, from amongst the mu'mineen and the muslimin. Wa inna insha'Allah bikum lahikum. And verily we, Allah willing, are going to meet you or be united with you. Allah. لَنَا وَلَكُمْ الْعَافِيَةِ I ask Allah for ourselves and for you all well-being. This hadith is reported by Al-Imam Muslim and Nasai ibn Majah and others. And the reference here is on the handout for that. Hadith number 5 on the end of the extra hadith. Uh, as for the ziyara bid'iyya, the innovative visitation of the grave, <coughs> it is includes those people who go to the cemetery of some of the Anbiya or the Salihin to make prayer in those places. And if they go to the graves where it is said that some of the prophets are buried, they go to the grave where a prophet is buried or where so-called righteous, pious people were buried. And they go there with the intention to pray in the cemetery at the grave of that person. This is Ziyarat al-Kubur Bid'iyah. It is the innovative visitation of the grave. The grave is not the place where Muslim goes to perform prayer. And the Prophet prohibited the Muslims from praying at the cemetery. It's one of the prohibited places where you may make salat. Except the exception to this is salat al-janazah. Praying at the cemetery for the person who dies but salat al-janazah. Not the normal prayer but salat al-janazah. Also going to the cemetery of the prophets or the righteous or saints or otherwise with the intention of making dua making supplication at their grave. Making supplication at the grave of the righteous or saints or prophets or otherwise, supplicating Allah at the grave is bid'ah. Supplicating to the one in the grave is shirk, kufr. There's a difference between supplicating at the grave and supplicating to the one who's in the grave. Supplicating at the grave, praying to Allah at the grave, thinking that being near the grave of that so-called righteous person or whatever, that your, your dua will be accepted more because you're near their grave, this is bid'ah. But supplicating to the one in the grave, which is what some, many of the people are doing today is even worse, this is not bid'ah, this is kufr, shirk. Supplicating to other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And there should be a clear distinction between the two, supplicating to the one in the grave and supplicating at the grave, supplicating to Allah at the grave. Also, of the things that are innovated in the visitation of the grave, is seeking one's needs from the person who's in the grave. Or seek asking Allah for one's needs at the grave. Yani going to the grave, asking, supplicating to Allah for your needs at the grave of a righteous or saint or whatever person, thinking that asking Allah for your needs at that grave is a means to get it answered. Asking Allah at the grave for your needs is innovation, is bid'ah. But asking the one in the grave for your needs again is shirk. It is shirk, it is kufr. Uh, also seeking help, al-istighatha, 
seeking help from the one in the grave, this is also uh, shirk and other such similar things that the people are doing, making vows and oaths and other things that we have discussed previously. Uh, the Shaykh says that all of this is from those innovative practices that were not done by any one of the companions of the Prophet Sahaba, nor was it ever done by any of their students, the Tabi'een, who followed them in righteousness, uh, followed their way, followed them in the good that they did. But in fact, these things which have been mentioned under the innovative visit of the grave, these are the things that have been prohibited by the Imams, the, the great scholars and Imams of the Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah. This is the end of what the Shaykh says concerning uh, al Janaza. And we skipped over some of the hadith which were dealing with other things, yani, which were yani, dealing with the shrouding of the body and washing of the body and other matters which are much, which are much more detailed and would take a long time to cover. And we tried basically to cover the matters related directly to the Salat, Salat al Janaza following it to the cemetery and burying and so on. Uh, just quickly, I wanted to mention the summary of the matters related to Salat al-Janazah, which touches on some points which we may not have mentioned or which we mentioned just in passing from uh, Al-Imam al-Shawkani in his brief explanation of the al-Masal al-Fiqiyah or yani, uh, legal matters. He mentioned here concerning Salat al-Janazah. In brief, he says that it is obligatory. The Salat al-Janazah over the dead Muslim is obligatory on the Muslims. It is farqifaya. As long as some of the Muslims do it, others are free of blame. And that the Imam should stand opposite the head of a man and at the middle or waist of the woman. And that the takbir in the Salat should be four or five. As mentioned in some of the hadith reported by an Imam Muslim, but the scholars, the majority of the scholars held that the practice of making five takbirs was abrogated and the last act of the Prophet and that which yani, was agreed upon by the scholars of Ahl Sunnah al is four. Though it was done, it is authentically reported that on occasion the Prophet did make five takbirs. Also he says to read or to recite after each takbir or after the first takbir al-Fatiha in a chapter from the Qur'an and to make dua in between the takbirat with the supplications that are recorded in authentic hadith uh, and not to make salat over the person who stole from the spoils of war which actually there is no authentic hadith for this particular point that Imam Shalkani mentions here the hadith concerning this point are not authentic not praying over the person who stole from the spoils of war is not really authentic there is no authentic hadith confirming that point also uh, the person who kills their self, the person who commits suicide. Yani not praying over the person who commits suicide. And there's yani, some difference of opinion amongst the scholars concerning this, whether or not you pray over the person who committed suicide or not. And the majority opinion is that you can, that you do pray over them. But the Prophet, though the Prophet himself didn't, and the leaders of the Muslims uh, shouldn't. But some of the Muslims should pray over them. Uh, also, that you should not make Salat al-Janazah for a disbeliever nor for the shaheed, the person who died in jihad, fighting against the disbelievers. The person who died as, sh- as shaheed, fighting against the disbelievers, is not, their body is not washed, nor are they shrouded, but they should be buried in the clothes that they died in. And there is no salat al janazah for the shaheed who died in jihad, fighting against disbelievers. Also, that it is legislated to pray over the grave of a person who is already buried, as we mentioned previously, and also over the body that is absent, which we mentioned previously. And this is the summary or this is the text of what he said concerning Salat al-Janazah and he also has some other chapters related to walking with the body to the grave and so on. Concerning this chapter, Salat al-Janazah, some of the points that he mentioned here perhaps need some clarification. As for the obligation of praying over the dead, uh, it is generally understood from the numerous hadith of the Prophet always praying over the dead and his companions prayed over those in his absence, those who died amongst the Muslims. As for standing at the head of the man and at the waist of the woman, we already discussed this in the hadith mentioning the hadith of Anas ibn Malik radiallahu anhu, which was from Umdat al-Ahkam, hadith number 160. We took, we took that hadith last week. Also concerning the takbirat being four, 
We mentioned it previously, the hadith of Salat al-Janazah over Najashi. That's hadith number 152 from Umdat al-Ahkam. We took it last week. And concerning the five takbirs, we said that the majority of scholars said that it was abrogated and that the last act of the Prophet is making four takbirs. As for five takbirs, he mentions the proof for this is the hadith as reported by Imam Muslim on the authority of Abdurrahman ibn Abi Layla. كان زيد يكبر على جنائزنا أربعا وإنه كبر على جنازة خمسا فسألته فقال كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يكبرها It is reported from Abdurrahman ibn Abi Layla that Zayd, Zayd ibn Thabit رضي الله عنه was one of the scholars of the Sahaba he used to make four takbirs over the dead from amongst us and on one occasion he made five takbirs over a dead body so I asked him about it and he said that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, used to do so. And he used to do also five. So, yeah, I mean, some of the scholars said it's permissible to do five. This is the opinion of Imam Shawkani, but the majority said that it's abrogated and that the more common and well-known and final practice of the Prophet وسلم, is four takbirs. And then he said, reading after the first takbir, Al-Fatiha and a surah of the Qur'an. The recitation of Al-Fatiha is well known. As for the recitation of the surah of, of the Qur'an, perhaps it is not well known. And he mentions the proof of this. First is the hadith reported by Al-Bukhari. That hadith on the authority of Talha ibn Abdullah ibn Awf. Radiyallahu anhu, he said, Sallaytu khalfa ibn Abbasin radiyallahu anhuma ala janazatin faqara'a bi fatihatil kitab. Qala li tu'allimu annaha sunnah. He said that I prayed behind Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma over a dead, the body of a dead Muslim, and he recited Fatiha al-Kitab, the opening chapter of the book Al-Fatiha. And he said the reason why he did so was to teach the people that this was the Sunnah. As for a chapter after Al-Fatiha, it is authentically reported Hadith Sahih in the Sunan of Al-Nasai. Hadith number 1987, the expression came in that hadith, فَقَرَعَ بِفَتِحَةِ الْكِتَابِ وَصُورَةٍ That he recited the opening of the book Al-Fatiha and also another surah. وَجَهَرَ حَتَّى أَسْمَعْنَا فَلَمَّا فَرَغَ أَخَذْتُ بِيَدِهِ فَسَأَلْتُهُ فَقَالَ سُنَّةٌ وَحَقٌ he said that he recited Al-Fatiha in another chapter of the Qur'an and he recited it out audibly to make us hear it. So when he was finished, I took him by the hand. He took Abdul ibn Abbas by his hand and I asked him about it. And he said, Abdul ibn Abbas said, Sunnatun wa haqqun. It is Sunnah and it is true and correct to do so. And this hadith is Sahih, reported in the Sunnah of Nasai. So it is also legislated to recite after the first takbir Al-Fatiha as well as any short chapter of the Qur'an. Concerning the supplications in between the takbirs, we discussed it already in the Umdat al-Ahkam, uh, the last point that uh, Shaykh Abdullah mentions. Uh, and as for praying, not praying, those who are not prayed over, Imam Shawkani says, not praying over the person who took from the spoils of war. And here, uh, we found that although he held this position, but there is no authentic hadith confirming it, therefore, yeah, and even the person who took from the spoils of war may be prayed over. Also the person who killed himself, the person who commits suicide, he said we shouldn't pray over them. And uh, he mentions here concerning this uh, a hadith reported in the Sahih of Muslim and others on the authority of Jabir ibn Samra radiallahu anhum. He said, Utiya and Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that a man was brought to the Prophet ﷺ who had killed himself with a mashaqis, a wide arrow uh, instrument. Uh, he killed himself with it and the Prophet ﷺ didn't pray over him. And here we mention hadith number two and three, two narrations of hadith from Al-Bukhari in volume two, page 257 of the new printing of Bukhari from Maktab al Salam. One narration is reported that the Prophet ﷺ said, whoever commits suicide with a piece of iron will be punished with the same piece of iron in the hellfire. And the other narration, he said a man was inflicted with wounds, yani in battle, and he committed suicide. And he had been wounded, and he couldn't bear it, so he committed suicide, killed himself. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, my slave has caused death to himself hurriedly. And he was in a hurry to get out of this world, 
So I forbid paradise for him. This hadith is reported uh, in Al-Bukhari and also there is a similar narration in Sahih Muslim. And this issue, somebody asked about this last week about the person who commits suicide and we mentioned I think that the person who commits suicide would be punished by repeating the act of killing themselves over and over and over again. Uh, and it appears from this and some of the scholars have the opinion that that person shouldn't be prayed over as Imam Shalkani says here but after reviewing the hadith more carefully and looking in the explanation of Sahih al-Bukhari, Qat al-Bari and the Sharh of Sahih Muslim by Imam al-Nawawi uh, the summary of the discussion the discussion of in Qat al-Bari is lengthy and he mentions the various opinions of the scholars and Imam al-Nawawi who mentions the same hadith uh, the one that the man killed himself with a wide-bladed and he, uh, arrow-headed instrument and the Prophet وسلم, didn't pray over him and Imam al-Nawawi says concerning this that this hadith is a proof for those who say that the one who commits suicide should not be prayed over. This hadith is a proof for those who say that the one who commits suicide should not be prayed over due to his sinfulness. And this is the madhab of Umar ibn Abdul Aziz rahimahullah and al-imam al-awza'i rahimahullah. The other opinion that they should be prayed over is the opinion of al-Hasan, Hasan al-Basri Ibrahim al-Nakhai, Qatada, and of the Imams, Imam Malik, Imam Abu Hanifa, and Imam al-Shafi'i. And this is the opinion of the majority of the scholars, that even the person who commits suicide, they should be prayed over. How can they hold such an opinion when the Prophet ﷺ is reported that a man committed suicide and the Prophet didn't pray over him? And another hadith that Allah, the Prophet ﷺ says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that my servant has hastened to kill themselves or to remove themselves from this world. So I forbid for him paradise. They said, the majority of scholars hold the opinion that he should be prayed over. They answered this hadith by saying that the Prophet ﷺ didn't pray over that person himself as a warning to the people uh, against such action of a person committing suicide. But the companions of the Prophet ﷺ prayed over that person who committed suicide. And this is like the action of the Prophet ﷺ was a position that he took in the beginning of not praying over a person who had debt. And he, some people were brought for Salat al-Janazah who were in debt and when the Prophet ﷺ found out that they were in debt, he didn't pray over them. And he said, pray over your brother. He told the people to pray over him. But he himself didn't pray. That was in the beginning and this was to show the people that these things shouldn't be taken lightly that it should, they should be taken seriously and people should fulfill their obligations. But he ordered his companions to pray over that person. He said, Sallu ala sahibikum. He ordered them to pray over that person. So the scholars, the majority of scholars said that the fact that the Prophet didn't pray over the person who committed suicide is like the fact that the Prophet didn't pray over the person who died with death as a warning against such behavior, not that the Muslims shouldn't pray over that person. Al-Qadi Iyad, one of the great scholars of hadith, and he was, his explanation of Sahih Muslim was primarily relied upon by Imam al-Nawi, who came after him. He said that the madhab of the majority of scholars, he said, he didn't say the majority of scholars, he said all the scholars, al-ulama kafatan. But of course there is some exception, those who differ, but he's saying that the overwhelming majority of the scholars' opinion is that, the, that it is obligatory to pray over every Muslim who dies, even if they die from hudud, punishment, for some crime that they committed, or they died from marjum, being stoned to death for, as a punishment for killing someone or otherwise, whatever, yani the acts for, for which a person is stoned to death, or a person who committed suicide, and others, he said, that they should be prayed over by the Muslims. It has also been reported from Imam Malik and others that the Imam should avoid making salat over the person who's killed as a punishment a prescribed punishment for a crime that they committed. That the Imam of the Muslims shouldn't pray over them, but the other people should pray over them. And also that those people of high status, uh, people of, of, of righteousness, they also shouldn't pray over the wicked as a warning against such behavior. It has also been reported from the great scholar of the Tabi'een, Zuhri, that uh, one should not pray over the person who has been stoned to death for a crime that they committed uh, but the one who was killed for other than yani, uh, 
the one who was killed as qisas and if someone killed somebody and they were killed in exchange that you could pray over them anyway there's a difference of opinion concerning this matter but the majority of the opinion of the scholars is that the person who committed suicide the person who was stoned to death the person who was killed as qisas any retaliation for them killing somebody otherwise that also they should be prayed upon and Imam Abu Hanifa said that you shouldn't pray upon those who yani, uh, those who yani, used to uh, commit the crime of what you would call something like today highway robbery who used to threaten the people who were traveling on the roads by robbing them uh, nor should you pray over those who fought with those who fought against the ruler and those who opposed the ruler and fought against them also they should not be prayed over this is the opinion of Imam Abu Hanifa uh, in any case yani, these are some of the opinions that Imam uh, Nawawi mentions concerning this and then finally he says, after a long discussion, he says, as for the shaheed, um, the person who's killed in battle against the disbelievers, Imam Malik and Imam al-Shafi and the majority of the scholars said that the shaheed should not be washed, nor should they be prayed over. And this is what is confirmed um, in the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ that we mentioned in the extra hadith, the first one, the funeral prayer of the martyr. In that hadith, the Prophet ﷺ, he ordered that the person be buried with their blood on their bodies and they were neither washed nor was funeral prayer offered for them. This report in Al Bukhari, uh, hadith number 1343. That's in the extra hadith, the first one. So, this is the correct opinion. Uh, Imam Abu Hanifa rahimahullah, said that they should be washed but not prayed over. Uh, and also, it's reported from Hassan al Basri that they should be washed and, and prayed over. The correct opinion is that they should neither be washed nor prayed over. For questions or corrections, inshallah, there's a few moments remaining. <laughs> the scholars of the Ahlul Sunnah al Jama'ah, as Imam Ibn Hajj al in his explanation of Sahih al Bukhari, mentioned, which I didn't uh, bring with me tonight because I figured it would be lack of time. So I, I took the comments from Imam Nawawi, but in any case, we can refer back to this very hadith that we mentioned here uh, concerning the person who committed suicide that's reported in Al-Bukhari and Muslim. Uh, this hadith that Allah said he forbid him paradise is reported in Al-Bukhari and Al-Hafid ibn Hajjah discuss what do the scholars say concerning this hadith. That this comes under the principle of Al-Wa'ad wal-Wa'id. We discussed this previously. It is the principle that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promises those who do good a good reward. That's the wa'ad, the promise. And Allah doesn't break His promise. Whatever He promises of good, He will do it. As for the wa'id, the threat that He makes to those who do evil of punishment, then Allah may punish them with what He threatens them with or He may forgive them as He wills. There's a difference between Allah's promise and Allah's threat. As for Allah's promise, for those who did good, He will keep it. No doubt. As for Allah's threat for those who did evil, He may punish them as He threatened, or He may forgive them if He wills. And they said that this comes under the title of Al-Wa'id Al-Wa'id. That is a threat from Allah, but the person who died on Tawheed, the general rule of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah, that a person who died on Tawheed, whatever crime they committed except dying on Shirk, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may punish them for the sin that they committed as long as they didn't make repentance. If they repented, then Allah accepts their repentance. If they didn't, then Allah may punish them or Allah may forgive them. Remember we said that the position of Ahlul Sunnah al-Jama'ah concerning major sins is that if the person repents from it in their lifetime, Allah accepts sincere repentance. The second case and third case is if they didn't repent, then they will be under the Mashiach of Allah, under Allah's will. Allah does whatever He wills. If He wills to punish them, it will be from His justice. And if he wills to forgive them, it is from his mercy. So they said this comes under this category, that Allah may punish that person. It comes under the yani, issue of, of Allah's threat. Uh, Allah may fulfill his threat and he may punish them, or Allah may forgive them. But the general rule is that whoever dies from amongst the Muslims on Tawheed, even committing major sins, then Allah will eventually remove them from the hellfire, either by the intercession of those who are allowed to intercede, or finally by Allah's intercession, and no one will be left in paradise who had even 
any small amount of Iman who said La ilaha illallah. Yani every person who died saying La ilaha illallah, even if they had the weight of a of a, a, a seed of wheat or mustard seed or the, or the weight of an atom of Iman, then they would be taken out of the hellfire. They would not remain in the hellfire permanently. And this also includes the person who commits uh, uh, suicide. This is the opinion of the Jamhur or majority of the scholars of Ahl Sunnah al Jama'ah. Can we pray over a Muslim who died? Not praying, I guess. Not praying. This is a long issue, and there's a great difference of opinion over it. And we discussed it before on a number of occasions. It's related to whether or not the person who doesn't pray is a kafir. The scholars of Ahl Sunnah al Jama'ah differ as to whether or not the person who doesn't pray is a kafir. The majority of scholars said that the person who doesn't pray, that this kufr is kufr duna kufr. Means it is a lesser degree of kufr. Means kufr in actions, not kufr in aqidah, not kufr in iman. The person who didn't pray, who is a Muslim who doesn't pray, they said it is an action of kufr not to pray, and it is kufr duna kufr, it is the lesser kufr. Doesn't mean that that person is outside of the Muslim ummah, like a Christian or a Jew or a other pagan. Okay? Those who held that opinion, they allowed to pray over the person who died, not performing prayers. The, the Muslim who didn't pray, they don't consider him as a kafir outside of the Millah of Islam. They don't consider him as being out of the Muslims. But they consider as lesser kufr, minor kufr. And they said you can pray over him. The other opinion, was the, which is the majority, or the minority opinion, is the opinion that the person who doesn't pray is a kafir, which Kufr is the, the real kufr that takes a person out of Islam. Those scholars who hold that opinion hold likewise then that it's not lawful to pray over the person who doesn't pray. If a Muslim abandons prayer completely, they don't pray at all, they said that person is a kafir. Kufr, mukhrij min al-millah, takes a person out of the community of Islam. They are not a Muslim. You shouldn't wash their body, you shouldn't shroud them, you shouldn't pray over them and they should not be buried in the cemetery of the Muslims. This is the minority opinion. In any case, as Al-Imam al said when he discussed this issue, he said that though the majority opinion is that it is kufr in actions, minor kufr, but he said what Muslim would be satisfied to be described with kufr of any type? So that it is a serious matter and Muslims should never allow themselves or their friends or their neighbors or their relatives to be in that condition that they are not performing prayers. Because even if it's only minor kufr, kufr is kufr and no Muslim should be described with it. In any case, it appears as though the most correct opinion that Allah knows best is that the person who doesn't pray at all, that that person is not really a Muslim. And Allah knows best. Of the contemporary scholars, those who, one of those scholars who held the opinion that this is kufr and actions is Shaykh Muhammad Nasruddin al-Albani, rahimahullah, and he said that that person is not out of the Muslim community. And of those who held the opinion that this is kufr that takes you out of the Muslim ummah, and that you should not, that person should not be prayed over nor buried in the cemetery of the Muslims, they should not inherit nor inherit from others, nor should they be allowed to be married to a Muslim. If they don't pray, their marriage is invalid, is Shaykh Muhammad uh, Shaykh Abdulaziz ibn Baz, rahimahullah, that was his opinion, and it is also the opinion of Shaykh Muhammad uh, ibn Salih al-Taymeen. So the scholars, the contemporary scholars of Ahl Sunnah al-Jama'ah also differed, just as the earlier scholars differed on this particular issue. And Allah knows best, but as we said, it seems as though the strongest opinion is based on the clear hadith of the Prophet wasallam, in which he made it clear that the person who doesn't pray is a kafir. He said, That the covenant that is between us and them, the kafirs, is a salat. The thing that distinguishes us from them is a salat. He said, Whoever abandoned the salat has definitely become a kafir. And Allah knows best, يعني, whether or not that hadith is interpreted another way, that it is lesser kufr or whatever. Um, and another hadith which is authentic is reported that the Prophet said that بين المرء وبين الكفر والشرك فرق السلات that the only thing that is between a person from falling into kufr and shirk is a salat and if there is no salat there is nothing to stop the person from being in kufr and shirk and Allah knows best about this particular issue if there is any other comments or questions or corrections before we close
نعم In Janazah prayer Can the women take part in it? Naam, women can take part in it But, yani, as we said In the hadith of Umm Atiyah That it is discouraged for the women To follow the janazah Whether following the body to the place of prayer Or following it to the cemetery in general It is generally prohibited But not absolute prohibition And it is discouraged But the women are allowed to participate In Salat al-Janazah And the strongest opinion is that the women are also allowed To follow the body to the cemetery It's allowed It is discouraged if they would act yani, Outside of the proper manner of a Muslim Becoming emotional and not being patient With the calamity that has befallen them And this was reported in the hadith A number of hadith from amongst them This is the hadith in which the Prophet Came upon a woman who was crying in the cemetery And he told her Ittaqillah and he fear Allah, be patient and he don't become emotional, this is unbecoming and that woman said, get away from me you don't know what, what has befallen me she didn't know it was the messenger of Allah وسلم. she said, get away from me, you don't know what has befallen me and she was in grief and that's the nature of the woman and that's why it should be avoided by the woman especially if they know they're emotional then after the Prophet went away, somebody informed her that that was the messenger of Allah so she ran after him and she came to him and said, I'm sorry and she tried to apologize for what he said and the Prophet said words which mean that patience is at the time when you are afflicted and you don't be patient afterwards but you should try to be patient at the time when the affliction befalls you and you should recognize uh, that we are from Allah everyone is from Allah and that we are to return to him if someone dies we know that they came from Allah and also they have to return everyone has to die inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun. this is what a Muslim should say when any calamity befalls them especially death <coughs> The supplication after the first takbir, as we said, is Al-Fatiha. And also you may add to it any chapter of the Qur'an. The supplication after the second takbir is the Salat ala Nabi. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad. Allahumma barik ala Muhammad. That is normally said in the sitting position uh, in the Salat, in the normal prayer. The supplication after the third takbir, there are many authentic narrations and we mentioned one of them. Uh, in the introduction of the of this chapter and uh, we also mentioned it tonight in I don't know one of the hadith that we took tonight was it um, hmm? extra hadith I don't know but we mentioned it here yani, the, the supplication uh, no we mentioned it last week now Allahumma aghfir li hayyina wa mayyitina and this uh, supplication is one of the supplications we mentioned last week, that's right that is said in the uh, which is said after the third takbir and there's no supplication according to the most authentic opinion there's no supplication after the fourth takbir <coughs> also uh, Any other question? Fadl. There's another issue here that is of importance now. The way of washing the body? <laughs> That's a long discussion. <laughs> that may take about uh, a whole course. A course about washing and shrouding the body. This is a course. It's not done in one uh, topic. But the, any, the rules concerning it are many and there are differences of opinion about it. But in any case, you can say in general uh, that <coughs> the... And the main thing concerning washing the body is that the people should be just enough to wash the body. There shouldn't be crowds of people. Uh, and the people who wash the body are expected to not mention anything that they've seen in that occasion of privacy. The private parts of the person should be covered. Uh, gloves should be used to wash over the uh, uh, nam. The, the men should wash men and women should wash women in general. Um, the body should be washed with water and also in one of the washings uh, sidr um, or camphor should be used um, also the shrouding of the body there is some, some difference of opinion concerning this and the difference between the shrouding of the women and the shrouding of the men there are a lot of opinions concerning this and this requires يعني, a lengthy discussion which um, actually there are some hadith concerning it in Umdat al-Ahkam but we skipped over it because it's a lengthy topic and actually would require actually يعني, the preferable thing is that it should be a full course to discuss it in detail. And if somebody wants to know how to wash the body, 
then we should go into the details of it, discussing يعني, all of the hadith concerning it and the various opinions. It is discussed in Ahkam al-Jana'iz uh, by Sheikh Muhammad Nasruddin al-Albani. And you can find, this book is translated into English. Um, I think some of it is in the book of Dr. Bilal Phillips, which he deals with this topic. Uh, he took it from this book. And I think there's also a direct translation of Ahkam al-Jana'iz by Sheikh Muhammad Nasruddin al-Albani, where it's discussed in some detail. Just one last point, perhaps it's the last point, which is of importance. It is concerning the raising of the hands. It is said that the madhab of Imam al-Shafi'i is that the person should raise their hands for the takbir in the Salat of Janazah, that the person should raise their hands for every takbir up to their shoulders. That the person should raise their hand every time they make takbir up to the shoulders. And it is said that the opinion of Imam Abu Hanifa and Imam Malik, rahimahullah, is that the person should not raise their hands except for the first takbir. And the only takbir that the person should raise their hands for is the first. Whereas the opinion of Imam Shafi is that it should be raised for all of them. And perhaps the opinion of Imam Shafi is probably the closest to being correct. Uh, perhaps if there is some time we might discuss it in detail, but maybe I don't think that there is time to do it tonight. Uh, Shaykh Muhammad Nasruddin al-Albani discussed this particular topic in some detail, and his opinion is like the opinion of uh, Abu Hanifa and Malik, that the raising of the hands is only for the ter- first takbir, and that's based on a hadith in which is reported from, the, from Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu, that the Prophet كَبَّرَ عَلَى جَنَازَةٍ فَرَفَعَ يَدَيْهِ فِي أَوَّلْ تَكْبِيرَةٍ وَوَضَعَ الْيُمْنَ عَلَى الْيُسْرَةِ That the Prophet made takbir over janazah and he raised his hands for the first takbir. And then he put his right hand over his left hand. From this hadith it's understood that he didn't, and Sheikh Muhammad al-Albani understood from this that he, doesn't, that he didn't raise his hands for the other takbirs. Although it's not clearly said, but it could be understood from that. That he raised it for the first takbir, and then he put his right hand on his left. But what did he do for the second and third and fourth? He doesn't say. This hadith is reported by Tirmidhi, and it is a Hassan hadith. It is a good hadith. The second proof he mentions is the hadith of Abdullah ibn Abbas. He said that the Prophet This hadith is more clear that the Prophet used to raise his hands in the takbir over the janazah for the first takbir. Then he didn't use to raise his hands again. But unfortunately this hadith is not sahih. It is not authentic. And there's a long discussion about it. There's no time to go into it now. But in any case it's not authentic. And uh, as for those who said, Imam Shafi says raise for every time. It's based on the hadith of Abdullah ibn Umar that he used to raise his hands for all the takbirs in Salat al-Janazah. And it is authentically reported from him that he used to do so. And Imam Shafi and those who hold his opinion say that Abdullah ibn Umar would not have been raising his hands for the takbirs except that he got it from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And Allah knows best. Al-Adhan. Just to complete this point uh, concerning the raising of the hands, uh, as I said that some of the scholars held that it should only be for the first takbir, and the others held that it should be for all of the takbirat, and that's the opinion of Al-Imam Shafi'i. And Shaykh Nasruddin al-Albani held the opinion that يعني, it should only be raised for the first takbir, and he mentioned one hadith which makes it clear that he used to raise it for the first takbir, but doesn't mention the rest of them, and another hadith which mentions that he didn't raise it for the rest of them, but that second hadith is not authentic. And as I said, that there is a hadith which is uh, mentioned from Abdullah ibn Umar concerning Salat al-Janazah. And that hadith is in the Sunnah of al-Bayhaqi with an authentic isnad from Abdullah ibn Umar أنه كان يرفع يديه على كل تكبيرة من تكبيرات الجنازة that he used to raise his hands for every takbir of the takbirat of janazah فمن كان يظن أنه لا يفعل ذلك إلا بالتوفيق أو توقيف من النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فله أن يرفع and he said that whoever believes that Abdullah ibn Umar couldn't have been doing so except that he had seen or got it from the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam then he should, he has the right to do so and also it's reported in Zad al-Ma'ad by Ibn al-Qayyim volume uh, 1 page 511 that Abdullah ibn Umar as well as Anas ibn Malik kana yarta'an aydihima fi kulli takbir yani 
that Abdul ibn Umar and Anas ibn Malik, both of them used to raise their hands for every takbir in the takbirs of, of uh, Janazah. And Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymeen in his fatawa said, Based on these narrations from Abdul ibn Umar and Anas ibn Malik, he said that the sunnah concerning the, raise, the hands and the takbirs of salat is that the person should raise the hand for every takbir. In any case, whoever believes that yani, it's only in the first takbir, then there's no harm in doing so. And whoever believes that it is for every takbir, which is perhaps closer to being the correct opinion, then it is proper to raise the hands for each of the takbirs. So this is the end of what we can cover concerning salat al-janazah. And inshallah, um, We'll start to review next week on Sunday. Sunday and Tuesday we'll have review for Fiqh hadith Next week we'll, we'll deal with the review of Fiqh hadith until we are able to complete it as quickly as possible and then complete the book of Salat with a final examination. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. Shalom la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa bi بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم